there was a quote if hereafter any highly cultured poetical nation shall lure back to their birthright the merry mayday gods of old and livingly enthrone them again in the now egotistical sky in the now undaunted hill unhaunted hill then be sure exalted to jove's high seat the great sperm whale shall lord it yeah yeah that's excellent that that part is great but that's why I think of this kind of, in a strange way, a hunting society, you know, that reveres the the animals that they hunt, you know, like the buffalo or, you know, the, the, the mythology. Like if you need to know what you serve, like Ahab was – perhaps viewing Moby Dick as as the chaos, the Leviathan, you know, the mm-hmm. but you could you could view it the other way too, that this is this is what gives us life. Like, yes, yeah, like yeah. actual light. Um, yeah. And so that's what was interesting to me because it does it does there is this continuation to like petroleum. Yeah. Uh, Oh yeah, that's yeah, that's and yeah, so that's a deep from thought, a, actually. <laughs> yeah. so from like a a point of like I'm trying as a younger person trying to figure out, you know, how did how did we get to where we are, you know, which is mm-hmm. a lot of noise and a lot of because you know someone was trying to make an argument that you know they're writing somehow it's like a environmental thing where they don't really want to kill the whales. And it's like, well, I don't know if that thought was there yet where it's, it, it's like, can you, you can't conceive of killing all the whales because there's just so many whales. Yeah. Yeah. He even says that at that point, like it, um, he compares the whales to the buffaloes, right? Do you remember that part? Yeah. Which is interesting. That's an interesting tie into Blood Meridian as well. And he he denies that humans would be able to do that with the whales, right? Right. Um, but there's another part where oh, I can't remember the actual scene, but he's comparing like he he is making the point that all these Christians are slaughtering <laughs> the whales. Um, and it's it's based on complete slaughter. So there is a there is a uh, a critique there. I think you know that uh, like a, a kind of environmental critique, which it, but it makes sense, right? Because he he's writing at the same time as like um, like in the wake in the wake of Emerson, and then uh, and then the transcendentalists and Henry David Thoreau, um, and so there was. There was environmentalism in the air at that time. Like that was that was sort of the the uh, the first beginnings of it, right? Like that that movement. When, um, like, when is the heyday of coal and uh, like the kind of soot and like smoke that accompanied that? I wonder. Do you yeah. have a, a sense? I wonder if that's about that same time or if it's um later yeah. like yeah. the 18 i'm not sure 
uh, just looking that up, um, I think it was used for a long time. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, that's an interesting um, contrast, right? Uh, whale oil and coal. Because you get the sense with coal how dirty it is and sooty. But then yeah, you read this book and how he, he talks about how, how clean whale boats are, actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And how, how clean the oil burns and how, how it's the most beautiful. I, I think I've heard this not from Moby Dick, but from other sources of how beautiful whale oil burns, like the light produced from whale oil lamps is the best light that you'll find, like the most beautiful light. Um, well, it, and it's so interesting. So, like, there is the, the spermaceti, which is in liquid form, like in the head cavity. Right. But then the rest, they actually cook down the blubber. The blubber in, also, yeah. In strips. Like... So, so some of those descriptions, I think the guy's job it was who accidentally would chop his toes off. What was the <coughs> guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, they're barefoot down there and they're yeah. trying to. <laughs> yeah, ride the, the blubber. <laughs> ride the blubber. And... <laughs> or uh, yeah, Queequeg was it who had to like they, they the blubber itself comes out in strips on the whale and you sort of like uh, pull it off in the same way that you that you pull off the, peel, skin, peel an orange. Peel off the skin from an apple you know that's spiraling like, <laughs> and then there's the other spiral again and he's sort of like you get the sense that he's sort of running on the the whale as the blubber is getting stripped off like as as somebody like like a logger sort of running on a log as it goes down the river or something right well, there was one scene that seems really whimsical, but I think Tashtigo, I don't, I, I think I was wanting to call him Tashtigo, or yeah. I've heard, but I, I've heard it also Tashtigo, and so I don't know how to say his name correctly, but he like fell in the whale. In the head, yeah. Yeah. And then Queequeg went in after him, and basically the whale was sinking at the same time, and so they thought they were, you know, both lost. And then somehow Queequeg punched through. He had like a knife or an axe or something. Yeah, yeah. And then it describes that it compares that with a birth, right? Right. He's, he's being born from the head of the whale, which is like Athena. Yeah, yeah, and it, it, it's it's like um, and it's the same thing like uh, like punching through the mask, the paste, the pasteboard mask to find out what's behind it, right? Um, and in, in that speech, Ahab's famous speech, he's he's talking like uh, the prisoner punching through the wall, right? And that's directly that goes back to Plato, right? Like so, he's talking about you know Plato punching through the wall of the cave, right, to find out what's actually there, you know. Um, and, and yeah, Philip K. Dick goes in nicely there, too, the Black Iron Prison. Um, 
I'd strike the sun if it insulted me. For if it could do that, then I could do the other. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. We're sort of going all over the place, but... Uh, <laughs> I, Yeah, we are. I was I was thinking like I don't know. So I can't keep this whole book in my head necessarily. Yeah, yeah. And so I think I think I like the beginning more than I like the end, but I know that I like all of it. Yeah, wow, that's a that's a I I would say like the ending. <laughs> Why? Well, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that. I think it all builds up to the end, you know. So I don't. I don't know if I'd say I like the beginning better. Beginning is so great, though, too, right? Like, a... it the pacing at the beginning is just so so much fun. Like you, yeah, you're getting you're getting to see. Like, oh, that was the thing I, I recognized when I read it this time was all the different smells and foods. Like when they're having the chowder, mm-hmm. you yeah. clam or cod, and you could, yeah, I could yeah, yeah. smell it and I could taste it, and I wanted yeah. to go to that restaurant. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <I> mean, <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's been readings on um, his relation, Ishmael's relationship with Quiquik, as right. as if they were homosexual lovers. Right. And Which I don't, I don't know if they are, if it makes a difference one way or the other, right? But. Uh, it's interesting. Well, so that's a good point where he does like this duality where you have Ishmael and Queequeg kind of form this whole and Ahab and Pip kind of find form this whole with like Pip almost serving as the lost leg or something. Yeah, yeah. And then that awesome line like um um better to sleep with a sober cannibal than a drunken christian right <laughs> but that i think that that is it's it's deeper than than that sense you know it's like uh yeah better to have a kind of uh more reasonable paganism yeah than a than a christianity that is drunken that's crazed you know that's not reasonable that loses its reason which is sort of the Christianity that that's predominated in the West, you know? Um, but, uh, yeah. So I, I have the sense that, uh, Ishmael, like in that quote that you read just a while back about, uh, Ishmael, um, when he talks about the, what is it? Was it the polytheism? Is that what he said? And what was that quote? I was trying to find that quote uh, that you just read a little while ago. Oh, um, let's see if I can get back there here. Um, it's chapter 79. It's called The Prairie. Okay, yeah. Oh, <laughs> and it's when he's talking about phrenology of the whale. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Here it is. Okay. Um. But 
if hereafter any highly cultured poetical nation shall lure back to their birthright the merry May Day gods of old. And so it does get into kind of like um, polytheism. Yeah, so um, that's one thing that. But he's trying to say that the, you know, the sperm whale is still the lord of the gods. Yeah, and the, the um, yeah, the the sort of deeper sense that uh, Ishmael um, seems to respect all religions. Like he he calls he calls. Oh. Kikwig, the the deacon of the first congregation of of God or something, um, like the original Catholic as in universal church, which includes all of us, right? And right. that um, you should be able to get something sublime out of every single religion, and that that's kind of. Ishmael's but, idea, right? Like a yeah, but he gets so, something sublime out of almost everything. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's kind of yeah, it's it's a polytheism, but at the same time, he there's a sense of the sublime behind it, right? And but the sublime behind it is undefinable, and that and that's that's how it gets into Neoplatonism, like the idea of the one, but the one is is almost beyond being and non-being, right? Well, so his universe isn't very bleak. Yeah, yeah. Whereas in in the McCarthy stuff, it's almost like that's uh, where there is no there is no order. You know, it's just chaos. Yeah, that's right. Um, and that is bleak. And then the judge is the the thing that creates order. He takes and makes order somehow. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, there's no yeah. The um, Blood Meridian is all it's it's kind of Nietzschean will to power. Like whoever's whoever is the most powerful determines the rules, right? But beyond that, there's nothing, right? Whereas, whereas in this book. There is something beyond it all, right? Um, in Ahab's view and in Ishmael's view, and they're kind of contrasting views. Like it's, um, like again, Ishmael sort of, he's somewhere between the pantheists who see it just all being God, and then and then Ahab's view as the universe is broken into two things, like completely dualistic and and uh, this Gnostic view that we have to break out of it. Um, but uh, yeah. but, but so, Ishmael's got this idea of the the transcendent in the imminent everywhere, right? And as as you're talking, I'm thinking about like one of the first milestones for Ahab is when he throws his pipe away. Yeah, yeah. So like he, it's like he's choosing to cease to be part of this world. Like he's not he's not going to enjoy anything. Yeah, that's great because then you have the contrast with Stubb and his pipe, yeah, and how he's he's described as like um, 
why is he so happy because he's smoking his pipe all the time <laughs> <You know? laughs> so that's, yeah that's great to think like that like, yeah for sure well, I, yeah he's he's giving up all his uh his his connections to the world well, he's giving up his his young, beautiful wife. He has like he got married after after the age of fifty. He has a young a young boy, right? And he's giving them up, um, which is kind of what. So, if you are, I was I was thinking about this where like uh, was it the Buddha left his family behind to seek enlightenment? Yep. Yeah. Which, yeah, so this is very interesting um, in terms of Finnegan's Wake, right? Because um, in Finnegan's Wake, that character becomes H.C.E., right? Who represents all these different kind of hero figures throughout history, including the Buddha. And that's that's kind of uh, a latent criticism that Joyce seems to have of the Buddha, is that he gave up his... His wife and family, right? Um, so, and it, it, so that's a criticism of of all the heroes, right? And that that goes back, I think, to what you're saying before about the uh, the joy of the the hearth and the family and the felicity that can be found there. But I mean, depending on like what you think the nature of life is, if you get like, trapped in the matrix, then and I think that's one of the reasons why an easy easy critique of uh, Ahab is that it's it's obsession. He's obsessed with this idea, right? Well, he's he's Neo. He 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 realizes that he can break through over the matrix. <laughs> right? um, so he's yeah, he's the dragon slayer, the hero, um, but he's the hero. He's the hero gone wrong. Um, and so then Ishmael is the only one who survives. Like Job, right? And and why does Job survive? You know, like why does why why did Job survive and he was able he was fundamentally able to break out of Leviathan and see, well, he, it, and see it from the outside. Be, so, because he he was unrelenting in his his his, his truth his his, his, fa- his faith I guess faith no and so that's what eventually got him out of it um, so so yeah they uh. Job is a successful dragon slayer, but he didn't he didn't slay the dragon, right? He 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 got out of he he escapes the matrix. God allows him to escape the matrix, um, but the dragon still exists because he sees Leviathan from the outside. This is the the point that Northrop Fry is making, right? Um, but then uh, Ahab tries to kill the dragon or the, the Leviathan, and he. He's not successful, right? And then you have, and then you have these other dragons. So that's like that's Perseus, our view. Are. So this is the problem that that's our view of that. How do you mean? We, so 
Ahab, if if you're if you're gonna transcend our our reality, we won't if if you do it correctly, we won't know. Like if 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 you punch through and you're gone, then we won't know. You're it'll appear as if you died. Yeah? Uh well, unless it's uh unless you don't need to die to punch through. Right? <laughs> but it may appear as if you died to us. Well, it would appear that you died to yourself, I think, as well, right? Because you would be you would be dying to your old life, as as all the mystics say, right? Well, so that's the whole mystic thing where you know, you need to die you you have to have the ego death. Yeah. Or that's the metaphor, and the, the, the literal expression is, like, you need to die so that you can live. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's uh, so much to say about like, about that. Like, I'm reading um, uh, this Russian philosopher, uh, Berdyaev, and he's saying that, uh, like, in contrast to uh, Kant's view, Emmanuel Kant's view of the phenomenal and the noumenal right and Kant was saying yeah we can only know the phenomenal we can never get past that to the things in themselves right we can never get beyond the, the pasteboard mask and uh and and then certain german idealists said well that is that is the world right the phenomenal is the world there's no beyond that but but that is the primary world right but then uh, Berdyaev's point is like, um, it's no, that we can get through to the noumenal, but we don't get through to the noumenal by getting rid of the ego. Um, ego in an, in, a, in an expansive sense. Like, you get to the noumenal through your own subjectivity, right? You don't get there through trying to identify with the object, right? Which is... Berdyaev's that's that's what he's criticizing Plato for is in Plato and the even the Neoplatonists are saying that you need to get through to it through the object through reason right um, and Berdyaev saying no it's your entire subjectivity all your emotions all your intuitions everything else everything that makes your personality that's how you get through to it you know and that's that's basically the only way you know because because what you're trying to get through to is not being which is maybe represented by reason, but you're trying to get through to spirit, which is beyond being and non-being, right? It's, it's beyond everything. Um, and the only way you can get through to that is, is through your subjectivity. Oh. So, I, I, yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't know how that matches up with this, but Ishmael seems to be that, that kind of character. That, that's what he's, that's his, his goal, you know? He doesn't. He doesn't give up his uh, his personality. Maybe that's his critique of the play, of the uh, pantheists, the, those people who fall into the sea. In, into the sea, they get mesmerized by the object. Uh, yeah. So I guess Melville does a nice job of so, like in terms of. If it's the object, you know, like the moon, what is the Buddha, the saying about the 
the moon that you pointing to the moon. Right. Yeah. It, yeah How does to, it go? It's something like uh, don't don't become obsessed with the finger pointing the moon, but the moon itself. <laughs> it's it's kind of a the map is not the territory kind of like, right. You know. Like so the the icon is not the god. Yeah, and they in even if it is the god, it's not the actual literal. Like you have to you have to go through the image of the thing to to find the transcendent source. Yeah, or, or he talks about Queequeg. He says Queequeg is the native the native of Rokovoko, which is not drawn on any map. And then he says true places never are. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of good lines in the book, yeah. but I'm still thinking about so like that is it chapter 42 is the whiteness of the rail. Oh yeah, that's a great chapter too. Like that, 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 yeah, uh, that's a that's a mind blower of a chapter as well. I think that that ties into what we've been saying here. But it's 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 the image is important, but you have to go beyond the image. Yeah, yeah, that's um. Here, I'll read a bit of that because that's uh, that's an essential part, I think, too. Um. So, yeah, and when we consider that uh, that other theory of the natural philosophers, that all other earthly hues, every stately or lovely emblazoning, the sweet tinges of sunset skies and woods, yea, and the gilded velvets of butterflies and the butterfly cheeks of young girls. So beautiful, this. Uh, now, all these are but subtle subtle deceits not actually inherent in substances but only laid on from without so that all deified nature absolutely paints like a harlot like the harlot whose allurements cover nothing but the charnel house within and when we proceed further and consider that the mystical cosmetic which produces every one of her hues the great principle of light forever remains white or colorless in itself and if operating without medium upon matter would touch all objects, even tulips and roses with, with its own blank tinge. Pondering all this, the palsied universe lies before us a leper. And like willful travelers in Lapland who refuse to wear colorized and coloring glasses upon their eyes, so the wretched infidel gazes himself blind at the monumental white shroud that wraps all the prospect around him. And all these things, the albino whale was the symbol. Wonder ye at the fiery hunt? <laughs> uh, this, <laughs> the, <laughs> yeah, this is it. It's fantastic. Um, so yeah, that's um, yeah. Even color itself, okay, color itself um, is, is the painting of the harlot, right? <laughs> but then, in in uh, in Berdyaev's viewpoint. Um, and this would be the viewpoint of Barclay and probably Joyce also. It's like, well, no, because there's no, uh, that, that is the real world, right? That is the real world. Um, what we see by our own senses and the emotions that we have and the intuitions we have and the beauty that we see in the world, that is, that's the only thing that breaks us through into the noumenal, right? 
so so to try to get beyond it to try to uh um just imagine that it's it's all false and it's and, and it's beyond it it's it's all whiteness um which is which is purity and death this is another point he makes through moby dick like the color white is purity but the color white is also death um we we don't need to get to the whiteness you know we we can find it in the in the colorful world right yeah and i think that's where at that time i was finding like the gospel of thomas yeah 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 split the uh split the log and and i am there or, or uh, look under the stone and i am there yeah that what is it the the kingdom of heaven is spread across the face of the earth and the, we do not see it we do not see it yeah um but that yeah finnegan's wake all the way through that the that idea repeats um, trying to find some some great quotes but any anyways yeah i think um i know it's it, just the interplay of 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 those ideas again are just just amazing i think that's what uh um and none none of them are settled you know none of them like he doesn't give us a final answer to to anything which which makes the work a work of greatness you know because uh because we're it's un it's unending it's almost like <clears throat> ishmael almost goes to the side of of ahab sometimes and then he almost com becomes a complete pantheist at other times um he's he, he sees the uh he sees the beauty and wisdom in in Queequeg's own religion um, but then but then you read um starbucks uh own views his own christian quaker viewpoint and it 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 almost seems the most grounded viewpoint of the entire book at times you know? But he's just such a company man, which is he's he's moral, which is great. But his morals are about the nature of what they're supposed to be doing. They're not supposed to be like on a metaphysical journey. This They're like supposed to be collecting oil so he can get home. And he wants to do it as quickly as possible. But it, yeah, but in the other sense, that is his metaphysical journey. You know, like a, that's like maybe maybe he's already realized that. You know, what? But what's so fascinating is so he's unwilling to go against his morals, even yeah. though he knows what it it will cost him. Like he. Like the scene where it's pretty intense, where he's he's standing outside the door with the pistol, and he yeah he just wants to shoot Ahab and and get you know like do their jobs. We need to do our jobs, right? And then that that's contrasted with a scene with the I think it's a scene with the mild mild wind again when they're looking at into each other's eyes. But there was a, a an earlier scene where. 
Ahab pulled the same gun. I don't know if it's before or after on Starbuck. On him, yeah, that was before, right? Yeah, making him because uh, because in the later scene, he uh, Starbuck says, "Yeah, this is the same gun," <laughs> <laughs> which is <laughs> kind of Shakespearean. Yeah. So what is it? In that pasteboard mask quote, there's there's a part where he says, he tasks me, he heaps me, I see him in outrageous strength with right. an inscrutable malice sinewing it. Yes. Yeah, the true. inscrutable thing is chiefly what I hate. And Talk be not the, of blasphemy, man. <laughs> be the white whale agent or be the white whale principal. I will wreak Wreak that hate upon him. Talk not to me of blasphemy, man. I strike this. One of the first things Ahab says is, down and, what is he, down and kennel, or kneel. What does he say? It's to stub. It's so awesome. <laughs> Everything he says is awesome. Like uh, that, That's why uh, he... Down, can... dog, and kennel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he, he, yeah, he's not he's not uh, run of the mill imperialist by any means. Yeah, there was at that same time. I feel like there was a strange dream that Ahab turned into a pyramid. Stubb was having a dream about him. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's right. Um, that's. It's further on, like that's towards the end. I forget where that is. Such a queer dream. You know, the old man's ivory leg. Well, I dreamed he kicked me with it. And when I tried to kick back upon my soul, my little man, I kicked my leg right off. And then presto, Ahab seemed to pyramid. And I, like a blazing fool, kept kicking it. But what was still more curious, Flask, you know how curious dreams are. Through all this rage that I was in, I somehow seemed to be thinking to myself that after all, it was not so much of an insult that kick from Ahab. Why, thinks I, what, what's the row, the row? It's not a real leg, it's only a false leg. There, there, there's something there too with the the dismasted member, the uh, yeah, Osiris. Off, off the coast of Japan, it strikes home. <laughs> <laughs> I feel dismasted here sometimes. <laughs> um, well, yeah, 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 like Osiris, or like the, um, yeah, like the Fisher King, like the wound to the leg or the groin. You know, there is um, a, a groin wound where the. Well, that's that's why he he was um, delayed getting to the Pequod because that that groin wound was was uh, healing itself. It, it's when the his bone leg somehow came off and and like almost skewered him in the in the groin. Yes. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So yeah. The. Yeah, it ties into that idea, the, the Fisher King, the wounded 
and 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 of course that ties in with the wasteland the reason why the land is wasted is because the the king the fisher king loses his virility oh and that's that's interesting because the fisher king is fishing people out of the leviathan yeah, yeah. I, I think according to fry well we are fishers of men right right i mean so like yeah So, so yeah. So, so the whole thing is the Pequod is 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 the wasteland, right? The journey of the Pequod is the wasteland, um, and the Pequod itself, like that's another sort of doomed name, you know, because they were they were uh, a native tribe and that were the, exterminated, right? Right. Yeah. It's like. <laughs> calling it the Gaza or something. <laughs> um, no, uh, yeah, you, so many. I, it, it's, it's amazing that I didn't get back to it sooner. Because mm-hmm. it seems like it's a book that you could read every year just fine. Yeah, I know, I know. It's, it's, it's not a... It's not a difficult read, you know. People stick to it, you know. It's um, and even even those parts that people think are boring, the description of whaling or cetology or whatever. It's it if you look at it in the right in the right way. Like for one, all of those, like we talked about before, they're poetically written. But in every case, those parts are crucial to the plot to understand the entire plot. Because he's describing how things work and how things fit together, and then at the same time, each each thing he's taking shows his process of writing, which, again, by his process of writing, it's it's his own journey to sort of capture Moby Dick. But then each single part, each single part of the ship or part of the whale or whatever, opens up into the sublime. You know, so. Which makes me think about what he said to Hawthorne, where he says, I've written a wicked book, but I've come out spotless as the lamb. Yeah. Like, what is he saying? Yeah. Well, um, I don't know. Like, I've heard that, uh, I don't know where I read this, maybe in the introduction or, or something, but uh, that. Uh, it's it's kind of an anti-Christian book in a sense, but is I, it Christian dogma? It's not. Yeah, necessarily... it's Christian. It's Christian dogma. It's not. I don't see it as being anti-Christian at all. Like even in the uh, even the, in the ending sequence, like you have the three days, right? Three days of the chase, right? Um, and that's the, the that imagery directly, of of uh, steel kilt. This the three. The three crucified people in the rigging. Oh yeah, yeah, that too. Like um, uh, so yeah, you have the three days of Jonah and the whale, and then the three days of Saint George fighting the dragon, and the, of course the three days of of Christ going to hell and coming back. You know, um, 
it's like uh yeah it, it, it's it's not um it's not orthodox christian at all you know but it's not it's not a rejection of christianity i don't i don't i don't think so you know but but that quote um about him saying that it's a wicked book but his his soul is pure it reminds me of uh of joyce again saying um can't remember the actual quote like he says uh something like he's always getting criticized of, of being a, a non-believer and he wrote in a letter somewhere i think that uh he's never met anyone who has the faith a faith that is as strong as his own and it's a similar thing he's not an orthodox christian at all by any means right but he's tapping into this the first congregation the ancient catholic church you know the first congregation of this whole worshiping world the great and everlasting first congregation of this whole worshiping world So when we finish a book like this, what do you what do you end up doing? I usually end up diving back in a little bit. Yeah, I I I don't know. I normally don't like when we have this talk it kind of uh it caps it for now, but then I always come back to it cuz I always have notes written on it, right? But then yeah. I go on to the next thing and then uh and then it just becomes this bigger this this bigger work of literature like this this yeah you get the feeling more and more you read books like this it's uh, that it's just one big book that we're reading you know <laughs> you know they all tie together and i'm sure that's what melville was that that was the kind of fire in his own mind when he was writing this you know he reminds me of Jack Kerouac in a sense of like the how he he writes so quickly, you know. Like obviously it's not the same style by any means, but uh, it's like the same kind of spirit behind it. Yeah. So, any any thoughts of the next one or? Well, I yeah, I have I've thoughts. It's initially I thought I was we were gonna do we needed to stay in the like to Hera Bloom says he can't read Moby Dick without reading Walt Whitman. And I thought, oh that's kinda interesting. But I don't know that like and that would be tricky to read leaves of grass i was also thinking about paradise lost would be interesting and that would tap into some of these same things when i was also thinking king lear would be interesting um and faust is always interesting <laughs> but then i've got this wild hair that uh it would be what would it be like to uh to do Lord of the Rings. I, I might have lost you. Hello. 
Oh, hello, hello. There you are. Yeah, okay. No, I, um, yeah, I've been watching uh, watching Lord of the Rings over the holidays. My my daughters like to do that. But, uh, yeah, I've been thinking of that, too. Lord of the Rings, um, like Sam at the end. Um, so it ends, Sam coming back to his family, takes his baby in his arms, and he says, uh, well, I'm back. You know, because he's... And, and and Frodo before that says he he Sam can't come with him yet to the Undying Lands. Um, and Frodo is the wounded one. He's the wounded hero. Who has to go to the Undying Lands because he can't. He he can no longer survive in the uh, on Middle Earth, right, without pain and suffering. But it's Sam's job to come back, yeah, and he rejoins the world, and then his time has not yet come um, for full transcendence or whatever. Um, so I thought that was interesting, right? I'm So th- the reason why I'm curious is, is the movies are fun and they're good, but I'm also wondering if, if they're also flattened out. Like oh, they they are, uh, yeah, yeah, fundamentally, yeah, for sure. That you would get that there's <clears> just <throat> there's more, but I'm so you've I've never read these. I think I read The Hobbit. Um, you never read I, Lord of the? Oh, wow. Okay, yeah, you should read it. Like I, I've read it so many so many times. You know, like, uh, but is he a good writer? Oh yeah, yeah, parts of it. Like it it doesn't it doesn't rise to the level of greatness like uh like Melville or anything. But but. He has his own style. Like it, it, Tolkien's project is great. You know, like it, it's it's unlike anybody else. Like his whole, it's his whole legendarium. Like his whole mythological vision is, it's kind of unprecedented that that one human could could do all of that. Um, but the actual writings that he, uh, that he put out, like Lord of the Rings, is, is the, is 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 the best that he put out like in terms of literature and it, and it, and it's very very good i'd say you know but it doesn't it it doesn't go into the top tier of of melville and shakespeare and these things right but but his vision does you know his vision does well that. It, it'll right it'll be it's not going anywhere and uh, probably harry potter's not going anywhere either but i don't know that it's it's very good writing. No, no, it, it, Tolkien is so much better than than Harry Potter, you know, in terms of writing. Like, no, Tolkien is. Certain passages are beautiful in Tolkien. Like, it, I, it, I'll just take a, uh, give you a sample. Just, just random and see if we can find this. Um, here's a description. I don't know what it is. They peered down at the dark pool. A little black head appeared at the far end of the basin, just out of the deep shadow of the rocks. There was a brief silver glint and a swirl of tiny ripples. It swam to the side, and then with marvelous agility, a frog-like figure climbed out of the water and up the bank. At once it sat down and began to gnaw the small silver thing that glittered as it turned. The last rays of the moon were now falling behind the stony wall at the pool's end. Oh, this is right at the scene where uh, we're going to shoot golem um but that yeah if you look at this description it's it is beautiful like certain passages are great you know um 
I, I don't know. Like uh, it, that's a, uh, it's an undertaking to read all of that. Like it takes a while. Um, it, I, it's not as bad as like if you look at what we, what we have been doing. Oh yeah, how, no, it's 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 easier. It's it's, it's an easier. It, it's an exciting read. It's uh, it's it'd be fun to read like I've, i yeah again i get i i wouldn't even have to read it again i could I, <laughs> I just read it like uh last year i think um but uh yeah How no, many, be, it would be interesting to see if we could get anyone else well that's what i was thinking i was thinking of uh like before you mentioned valis yeah uh, uh-huh i was thinking Valis is the uh, is the demiurge as well, you know. Um, so if we're taking Moby Dick as the metaphor, the great metaphor of the demiurge and breaking through the pasteboard masks, you know, that's that's what PKD and and Valis are all about, you know. Like it's kind of like I'm sure I'm sure uh, Dick has written about Moby Dick. <laughs> he, <laughs> has, he has to, have, but. So you have the yeah you have the Dick and Dick connection, but but that might be a that's a easy enough novel to read, and we might be able to suck people into that because that's that's at the heart of sync too. It is. We could put it out there and see if anyone uh, nabs it. Sure, we could get Alex at least. Maybe Bill. Yeah. We should be able to get lots of people for that. For that. For Valis. Yeah. Yeah, I've read that one so many times. Yeah, me too. I, how many pages? Does Does Valis have? Oh no, I, I'm not. Valis is. It's a normal sized book. Yeah. Two to four hundred pages tops, mm-hmm. somewhere in that neighborhood. I would say. I'm just curious about how, like, how much the Lord of the Rings are as one. Oh, uh, it would. I don't know. It's about. I mean, because there are three standalone. Yeah, like it, probably about fifteen hundred pages. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's it's yeah it's it's um it's a commitment. Yeah. Yeah, Valis, Valis, you could read in a couple of days, really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's funny because I was I was looking at I was getting into uh, biographies of Dick. I don't know what it was. There was some kind of... I think it had to do with me activating all my early sync muscles. Mm-hmm. And so if 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 Moby Dick was somehow communicating obsession to me, there was something else that I found in Philip K. Dick that also was concerned with, like, obsession. Mm, it's the yeah, vortex. Yeah. You know, it's this vortex that you can find yourself in where you create a fantasy that you can't get yourself out of. Yeah, yeah. And just, yeah, his obsession with Gnosticism, like, 
There was there was some kind of scene in in the migration of Timothy Archer mm-hmm. that really demonstrated to me like like self deluded insanity. Like there's this character was demonstrating like he did such a nice job of writing like like self-deluded insanity mm. that stemmed from some you know strange like it's it's kind of that movie memento did you ever see that no that uh well did i see it uh who's the director is that christopher nolan's first movie oh yeah no no i didn't see it i i thought I thought that was a more recent movie, but maybe I'm getting it mixed up. No, I haven't seen it, though. 2000 film. Okay, it's, it came out in 2000. Yeah, no, no, I haven't seen it. Yeah, I wondered what you you would think of that, because I think it's the same. So he also did, uh, what's it called? You know, you show it in your class. Oh, um, uh, what are you talking? Um, oh, the yeah, uh, <laughs> the, uh, in in something in, inception, inception, inception. That, that's yeah. what it's called. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, in he's done Interstellar, and then he's done um, uh, what's what's his most recent? This is that was the one I was thinking of. Um, He's done a bunch of war movies, I think, lately. Oh, uh, Oppenheimer. Oh. I think he did Oppenheimer. Yeah, that wasn't the one I was thinking of. I was thinking of... Uh, Dark Knight, Interstellar, Inception, Tenet. Oh, Tenet. That's the one I was thinking of, yeah. Tenet. I, I saw it on an airplane, and I, I didn't get much out of it because I couldn't hear it very well. But uh, um, I'd like to see that again. It's about yeah, yeah, split, splitting timelines. Yeah. Yeah. Should we uh, should we wrap it up? Is there anything more to say with uh, about the white whale? Sure there is. <laughs> what is his, this? Is just a draft of a draft, man. Yeah. <laughs> in in his letter to to Hawthorne, he's mm-hmm. comparing Pierre to the Kraken. I think when he makes the the quip about the Kraken, yeah, you know that's more than the Leviathan, right. He was alluding to this this thing that he was writing called Pierre, and so oh wow, wow. Uh, so he, he he considers it greater than the. <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds like an interesting book. Like I, I I haven't heard anybody talk about it even. Although. I don't think anyone understood it. It was like, I think it was almost obscene. Yeah, there's. Did you say obscene or, or yeah. insane? Both. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'll go to bed and I will uh, I'll turn this into 
something and uh and then we'll we'll tell the group that we can uh consider phallus or if they were so inspired lord of the rings just um a couple uh this might take us off but we'll we'll stop it i i just want to talk about uh charles olson's point about shakespeare and melville that he's saying that um um it is he's saying it is this side of shakespeare that melville fastens on madness villainy and evil are called up out of the plays as though melville's pencil were a were a wand of black magic to use swinburne's comment on lear it is not the light of revelation but the darkness of it that melville finds most profound in shakespeare and then and then he mentions about where Ahab on deck on deck has this ritual where he he says, I do not baptize thee in the name of the Father, but in the name of the devil. Right. And then so Olson says again, Ahab is a conjure man. He invokes his own evil word a uh, world. He himself uses black magic to achieve his vengeful ends with the very words in nomine diaboli, he believes he utters a spell and performs a rite of such magic. And then when he's forging or tempering the new harpoon, yeah, yeah, it's in the blood of the pagans. Yeah, the three pagans. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a dark book. Like, uh, yeah, I guess that's that's why it's a wicked book in a way as well. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. It's probably it's probably still my favorite book. I just I don't know. I love it. I was one of the thoughts I was having, and then we'll we'll be done here. Was that if we did Finnegan's Wake, it would be fun to like break it up. I don't know if going slower makes it easier, but you know, like, what if we read a book for a whole year? Well, there are people who do that, like uh, reading clubs that uh, just read Finnegan's Wake for decades. <laughs> but, but like, uh, it, it instead of trying to read the whole book in three months, you know, read this this you know one quarter of it in three months, and then discuss, and then like that would be a way that was how i was wrapping my head around the idea of doing finnegan's wake but yeah um yeah <clears throat> so much uh i don't know finnegan's wake is is yeah you could you could do it for decades you know or we could just it, do the... one page for 3 months <laughs> yeah you could do you could do something like the and Olivia Pluribus section, um, which he released as a as a book in itself, um, should be interesting. But uh, but yeah, you could do you could do the entry, you could do the first page for. It. <laughs> 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 like it's kind of a it, it's kind of like an overview or like a, of of the entire thing, the first first page. It's 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 just this fractal living book that that goes on. It's just yeah, it's endless. Yeah, I I have no idea if well no I. 
I don't know. It's even hard to talk about. It's like it, Joyce intended that, obviously, but there's so much in Finnegan's Wake that he didn't intend. It just happens on its own. You know, he just he he uh, he's the creator, but his creation went beyond him. You know, like he's just the conduit, and 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 that's part of that's part of the tie-in with um with Moby Dick is that uh, um he is the demiurge in a sense. Um, Joyce, so he is one of those heroes, you know, one of the ultimate um, dragon slaying heroes. Like that's what the Gnostic demiurge is, is the one who slayed the original chaos and then created the world, right? Um, so he is the, <laughs> he is the original dragon slayer, but at the same time, Joyce is conscious of the fact of the chaos beyond that that he has to respect and let go <laughs> just go wherever it takes okay. anyway so that's yeah start talking about finnegan's wake and it can go on forever but uh, yeah all right well thank you uh, i spoke to alan tonight he said oh if you're talking to Zenor, say hi oh yeah what's alan doing these days more of the same Alan stuff. Um, he's bartending. Yeah, he's he's uh, working on his video game a little bit. Mm-hmm. Well, probably a lot of it. I think he had a kind of a robust update that he set out recently. <sighs> because of, uh, I don't know, the what is that called? The GoFundMe that he did. There was like an update recently. Cool. So he's still he's still working. It's inspiring. Yeah, maybe um maybe uh Valis is a slim enough volume to suck him in as well, you know. He's he's totally familiar with it as Yeah, I mean, so that could be interesting cuz you could get like everyone yeah, it really ties into Jason's work as well, right? But Jason asked to be removed from the email. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we could see who's interested and invite appropriately. Yeah. I enjoyed all the things that we did last year. All the books, yeah. Well, no, well, no the just the the David Bowie Lana Del Rey moment. Oh, really? me too. I, I I really like that. Yeah, I it, loved it. Too bad it kind of ended abruptly, but uh, but maybe that's an interesting ending. <laughs> well, I was well, definitely reaching my like I was maxing out, but I it again it was like a structure to pour meaning into. So like the depths of both David. Bowie and Lana Del Rey are quite deep. Mm, yeah. So it was fun to ex- explore their their oeuvre. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, if Jason ever wanted to do that again, I'd, I'd, I'd be into talking to him. Sure. Maybe, maybe a more, uh, maybe a smaller group or something. You'd feel more comfortable with it. Yeah, I probably will end up reading The Hobbit 
or the Lord of the Rings this winter season. Oh yeah, you should. It's it's such a it's it's such a great book. I mean, uh, great. Yeah, it is great. Um, I think a lot of people were watching those this holiday season, which is good, but it also could be bad, meaning that we're synchronistically preparing ourselves for the for the shadow, for the darkness to return. Uh, how so? <laughs> I'm just. <laughs> I guess the darkness is always here, right? Well, it ends. It ends in the, what Tolkien calls the U catastrophe, the return of the king. So, there's a happy ending to that book. It's, it's the ultimate so, fairy tale. When when Peter Jackson first started, like those movies came out, it it's strange to think back to those because <laughs> the first one was in December of 2001. And yeah. so it's just, it's so interesting to think about, I think that was true, or was it 2000? Uh, no, it was after 9-11, so I think it was, um, it might have been 2000. It was definitely 2000. No, I think the second the second movie is 2002. 2002, okay. Um, but yeah, I, I related it in my mind with... Um, 9-11 I don't think I did but I related 2001 you're right yeah um, the first one maybe all the and the next one is 2002 the 2003 kind of things that started happening you know, like the wars yeah yeah it's still a great film too. Like we we've been watching it again, and it's just it, it is a great film. There's, I always um, make comments of where it diverges from the book and doesn't make sense. But just if you watch it as a film, it's 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 great. Yeah, I'm curious to see like how much more depth there is to the book. Uh, so much more depth. Like it, it, if you get into, um, I don't know, you get into reading Tolkien, like you read the Lord of the Rings and then you read the Silmarillion, which is his, his, his story, his whole history of the first age. And then uh, there's a 12 volume set of the history of Middle Earth, which are all his notes compiled <laughs> together by his, uh, his son, Christopher, yeah. and, and all kinds of stuff. Like it just, it, it, Tolkien has created, uh, languages right like he that's he's a linguist and so he created the languages first and then the and then he he worked on the mythology of those languages they created elvish languages and then the uh, mythology behind them but he claims he didn't even create them they they came to him all these words you know in in the in the trenches of world war one when words were coming to him they oughtn't well, that's what I hear writers say is that when they're like, that's where it's coming from. They're not doing anything. They're just open to the thing. Yeah. 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 So he's tapping into this Northern European mythology that, um, that goes, that goes so far back, you know? So it's, um, 
yeah, once you get into Tolkien, you, you know, you're almost getting into everything again. You know, um, you are. Uh, and we still haven't done um, uh, the Grail mythology, too, right? We re- no, we haven't. Um, I always want to do Parsifal, and I think the Grail mythology is part of that, but I'm not certain if it is or not. I think so, yeah. I think it is. I think no, we haven't we haven't done the Grail mythology. We got close. We've talked about knights, Don Quixote. I think. Mm-hmm. No, no, we've done that. All well, right. I, yeah, I'll let you go over there. I gotta go to bed. <laughs> but I could keep going. Now let's just look. I want to look at Parsifal and see. Yeah. Return to Arthur's Court, the Grail Quest. Yeah, Tolkien writes about that to some extent as well. He doesn't get deep, uh, as deep into it as the other Inklings, like C.S. Lewis and uh, Charles Williams, Owen Barfield. Um, but uh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> This is where my brain goes on fire, like uh, like Melville's apparently did when he was re- reading uh, writing Moby Dick. You know, it just all literature comes together and it's just like. <laughs> 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 well, I feel like literature. I'm like Ahab, where I'm chasing. It tasks me, man, and if I can just read the next thing, that I will be able to punch through the pasteboard mask. <laughs> And so, like, I have all the list of books. It's like, oh, we got to do this one next. Okay. <laughs> It'll take us there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. Okay, yeah, I should get going, too. So. All right. Well, you have a great day. and uh, You, too. That was a fun one. Yeah. Thank you. Okay, hopefully, yeah, we'll get, we'll get a bunch of people next time. Of course. All Past right. Of thousands. Okay, see you again. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye.
right you can sail away and find serenity. Oh, the canvas can do. 